of Small Talk, the Arts Entertainment Podcast from the Arkansas Times. I'm Omaya Jones, and I'm here with Stephanie Smittle. Hello! Today we'll catch up on what's happening in the arts and entertainment world in central Arkansas, and we'll talk about The Red Shoes, the 1948 film that inspired Scorsese and Spielberg, and the next film up in our Arkansas Times film series. We'll also talk with Dylan Hupp, Executive Director of the Akansa Arts Festival. And first, we'll touch on a little bit of arts and entertainment news. First up, the best-known album by Conway County's finest saxophonist, Monk Higgins, has been reissued. So it's called Extra Soul Perception. You can find it on Real Gone Music. Pretty sweet. The release is limited to 1,000 copies and comes in translucent blue. And also, uh, ESP is being reissued on CD Monk Higgins. He's from Menifee, Arkansas. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, He's also sort of a person uh, from whom his catalog has been the uh, a treasure trove of samples. So you might have heard Monk Higgins, even if you don't know that you've heard Monk Higgins. Oh, interesting. So I should check him out because I have not heard of Monk Higgins. And now you can. Uh, Also, Representative. John Lewis is coming to Little Rock. We talked with Nate Powell, Mm -hmm. the uh, National Book Award winning illustrator on our podcast a few weeks ago, and he collaborated on the March trilogy with uh, Congressman and civil rights advocate uh, John Lewis. John Lewis is coming Sunday uh, to a place called the Rogers House, which is across from the governor's mansion, and it'll be a fundraiser for Clark Tucker. Cool to have him in town. Yeah, it's super awesome. Uh, Full disclosure, I'm just now reading March book three. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of... What do you think? And you're in the middle of it. Oh, it's it. great. It's great. Um, I just read book two. I just finished it the other day. Uh-huh. So now I'm, we're working on book three. It's getting real. It's Well, it's, it got real. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's kind of... It just seems like a strange thing that I just started reading these books. And then I find out that John Lewis is going to be here. But Kismet. Yeah. Kismet. Yeah, totally. Also... Uh, we'll link to this music on our podcast, but there's a new collaboration out. I think it's a match made in heaven, uh, even if that heaven is sort of a weird mall on the moon. Uh, it's Osiris Bali and Yuni Wah did a song together. Yeah, it's called Destiny's Calling. Um, it's really fun, uh, sort of wooing, courting song, if you will. Um I'm not sure if they would be okay with that description of Destiny's Calling, but there you have it. <laughs> we'll link to that on our podcast. Also, we got word this week that Zaina Alsu has been named the winner of the annual Etel Adnan Poetry Prize for her collection, A Theory of Birds. This is uh, out of University of Arkansas Press. Uh, her book, A Theory of Birds, uses ornithology as a metaphor, placing species naming and extinction in conversation with colonial discovery events and the gaze that assists imperial violence. Sounds thrilling. Yeah, it sounds dense. Birds and imperialism. So that's exciting. Uh, Alsu is a daughter of the Palestinian diaspora, born and raised in North Carolina. She now teaches at the University of Miami. So yeah, check it out. We'll link to that as well. And we'll be right back with Dylan Hupp of Akansa Arts Festival. Welcome 
Welcome back to No Small Talk. I'm Stephanie Smittle, and I'm here with Omaya Jones. And I'm also here with Dylan Hupp. What's your title at Akansa? Uh, executive Director. Executive Director. Yes. Super fancy. Totally and tell fancy. us that uh, the name Akansa, the the word itself seems like it's an acronym for something, but it's not. It's just a word. It's right? just a word that we just happen to always put in all caps. Uh, I guess to signify the importance and vitality of what we're doing, but no, it's not. It's not a, an acronym for anything. It actually comes from uh, what's believed to be the Quapaw word, uh, meaning uh, Southern or or Downriver people. Uh, I'm sure there's someone who knows the the origin and the definition a lot better than I do, but it is taken from the word that's thought to be where Arkansas came from. Super cool. Yeah. So a Kansa was related to the word and I was I was looking at it on the website it was related to the Alcansia Indians A L K A N S E A Oh wow Indians what well, did you know that? No, I didn't know okay, that. Is this, right? this, is this on our website? It's a day for learning okay. here on No Small Talk. Fantastic. Um, so the Good, I'm looking really smart right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually work for a can, so I just walked in off the street. So. Great, great, great. Uh, Dylan Huff, like D-Y-L-A-N. No, yeah. totally wrong yeah. spelling. Um, so <laughs> the Akansa Festival uh, was inspired, uh, founder, as I understand it, founder Charlotte Gadbury mm-hmm. went to Spoleto, right? That's correct. This one I, I do actually know. Um, Charlotte uh, just happens to be on a vacation in uh, Charleston, South Carolina one year where they have the Spoleto Arts Festival, which is probably the premier performing arts festival in the country. Uh, I think they just wrapped up their 40th or 45th something season. Uh, they've been doing this for decades and decades. And she was just awestruck by how alive the downtown area and the community seems to be with buzz for great art, whether it be visual art or dance or theater or music. Uh, I mean, Spoleto just just packs out the performance venues in Charleston, uh, particularly downtown Charleston, over like a nearly two-week period around Memorial Day. And she thought, what a cool thing to potentially have back home in, in central Arkansas, in Little Rock and North Little Rock. So being the uh, extremely... Uh, initiative taking uh, go-getter that she is she came back and she got a group of people together and she raised the money to start this new organization and she worked with uh, Bob Hutt from the Arkansas Rep and Todd Herman from the uh, Art Center and Philip Mann from the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra to help her program the first ever Akansa Arts Festival in central Arkansas so they started the first one basically from a from a absolute pure grassroots standpoint in 2014 and uh, fast forward and here we are now uh, five years later ready for our fifth annual festival here in 2018 uh, and we grew about 33 percent from what we did in 2017 versus 2016 so we're hoping to continue that trajectory in terms of uh, audience participation this year. And by audience participation, you mean people buying tickets? I mean, people buying tickets and people showing up to our events. We track our audience, not just as people who purchase tickets to our ticketed events, but everyone who attends some element of the Akansa Arts Festival, because there's a lot of what we do that's not ticketed, that's free, whether it's free lunch and learns for the community or uh, master classes or school visits that we organize with our artists when they come to town to help, uh, you know, do some cool stuff for youth who are interested in the arts. 
Um, our opening reception is a free public event, for example. So when we say audience, we don't just mean the folks who buy tickets to our shows. We mean everyone who takes part in what we consider to be, you know, the best uh, six-day celebration of the arts in central Arkansas. And so what's your sense, because this was inspired by Spoleto, but I have to imagine that it has, you know, has its own identity after after these years. And what's your sense of what you carried from Charlotte Gadbury's initial inspiration and what is specifically Arkansas? Well, of course, we always try to... Uh, the festival is a mix of local and non-local artists. So when you talk about what's specifically Arkansas about the festival, I think you're talking about how many, you know, Arkansan artists do we incorporate every single year. For example, this year, uh, just off the top of my head, I know that we have a rowdy faith performing at our opening reception. Uh, they're out of Northwest Arkansas, a, a acoustic music duo. Um, we have a guy, uh, Epiphany Morrow, known uh, as Big Piff, uh, a local uh, hip-hop artist who is premiering a one-man show that he wrote and conceived during our festival this week. Um, of course, we're working with the Arkansas Art Center to hang a visual art gallery in the Butler Center during our festival. So in terms of what makes this a uniquely Arkansas event, I think it is the intersection of showcasing the amazing local arts talent that we have here and also bringing in top-tier talent from around the country that doesn't otherwise make a stop in a place like Little Rock or North Little Rock. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love the breadth of what you have on the lineup. So really, truly, if you were to throw like a punk rock band or a metal band and like an opera in here, there's not much you could be said to be uh, leaving out. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty, pretty far ranging. So you mentioned a rowdy faith. There's um, Steve Azar, Greenville, Mississippi musician yep. who, so I had a chance to go down the rabbit hole on his story a little while back when he was at Potluck and Poison Ivy. Mm -hmm. And like he started writing songs hanging out at the back of his uh, parents' liquor store. Yep, that's <laughs> exactly right. Pickers, uh, very cool. Upright Citizens Brigade is coming. Uh, Warriors Don't Cry, the one woman play about, right? Do you want to talk about Yeah, this? well that, um, I mean, I could talk about all of those, but to, specifically to Warriors Don't Cry. So that's based on the book written by uh, Melba Beals, one of the Little Rock Nine. Uh, of course, we wish that we'd found out about this show last year. We were a part of the uh, 60th anniversary celebrations. We did a couple of cool little arts things around all of that. But we didn't know about this show last year. We found out about it this year. But seeing as how it's a kind of a timeless and uh, always relevant uh, story to this community, we thought there's no reason why we shouldn't incorporate it into this year's festival, particularly because even though it's been produced all over the country, it's never been performed here in Arkansas before. So we're partnering with the Mosaic Templars Cultural Center to do the Arkansas premiere of a book that I think a lot of people in this state have read or at least been familiarized with, Warriors Don't Cry. Uh, that's Friday through Sunday at the, at the festival this year. And we're really excited about that one, and especially the fact that it's never been done in this state before. Can you talk about Upright Citizen Brigade? I, I, that sounds really exciting. So we, we, we hit a home run last year uh, when we brought in a group called Impro, mm -hmm. which was an improv comedy troupe out of Los Angeles. And there was a, a connection there with a guy named Brian Jones, who's a North Little Rock native, uh, who's one of their, their main players. So we brought them in, and uh, they, they sold out both nights they did at the Argena Community Theater. And so we said, well, this this is a hit. We have to continue to incorporate uh, great improv comedy into the Akans Arts Festival. So 
uh, we went out and, and got one of the biggest names there is with Upright Citizens. Uh, I think most people will recognize the name because they were founded in part by Amy Poehler, who, of course, uh, went on to do SNL and Parks and Rec and is just one of the funniest people in comedy today. Uh, another one of their founders was a guy named Matt Besser who is from here in Little Rock, actually. He's a Little Rock native and has gone on to, uh, you know, a very successful TV, film, and, and stage career of his own. So they're going to be doing two shows for us this uh, festival at the Argena Community Theater. Um, and, you know, there's, there's nothing like seeing really great improv comedy come to life before your eyes. Every show they do, they only do one time. And it'll never be performed the same way again. And every show is a premiere. So we're really excited about bringing them into Argenta, um, especially based on the success Impro had last year. If you're looking to get your tickets, I would get those quickly because those shows are absolutely sure to sell out. Mm-hmm. One name that was new to me on the lineup is, and I don't even know how to say it, Momix. Yeah, The Momix. dance mm-hmm. dance troupe. Yeah, so they are, um, of course... Uh, a hallmark of the Akansa Arts Festival has been bringing in a, a top-tier dance uh, performance company every year from Complexions last year um, to a lot of... Every, every year has been kind of uh, headlined by this one major dance troupe that's usually our most expensive ticket and usually the most expensive ticket for us in terms of the, the artist fee that we pay. And uh, Momix is, is absolutely A-list out of New York City um, in terms of touring contemporary dance these days. They're going to be performing out at uh, the be- one of the most beautiful venues in town, Pulaski Tech's Charts Theater on their campus. And they're doing a production called Opus Cactus, which is inspired by the scenery uh, and visions of the American Southwest. And it's going to be visually stunning. Uh, it's going to be, you know, very compelling in terms of movement, um, and it, it's going to be unlike anything you've ever seen from a dance perspective before. You know, they have one part of their show where the theater is completely dark except for a single flame on stage, just to give you a kind of sense of what the uh, what the backdrop and what the, and what the, the vision is going to be like for that. So, yeah, Momix is uh, absolutely continuing the Akansa tradition of top quality dance. Actually, just just to brag for one second, Momix was who Akansa had in mind to hire when they started the festival five years ago. And they uh, couldn't, they couldn't, we couldn't afford Momix back then. So now we're, we're at a place with our growth where we're able to bring in a troupe like Momix uh, and present them here to the community. Right, right. Boom. We got Momix. We got Momix. That's right. We're, 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 we're knocking it out. So, yeah, everyone come see Momix. We finally got them. So. <laughs> so, speaking of venues, right, you, we love a new venue because we love oh, yeah. to be in a new place. And um, it's my understanding that you are holding one of your events at the Rail Yard. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, the Rail Yard is, um, I guess it's by the time it opens, it will be Little Rock's newest performance venue. Um, it's, uh, in, it's being finalized right now and that's opening up in the East Village, uh, part of all of that great new development that's going on in that part of town right now near where Lost 40 and Cathead's Diner and, you know, where Cromwell Architects has moved down to, uh, really happening part of town right now. It's going to be an amazing performance venue. It's basically an old warehouse loading dock that's been converted into a performance stage. So the stage itself is covered by the you know, top of the loading dock, and the audience area kind of spills out into a courtyard uh, that would have been the area where the trucks pulled in and turned around and did all the unloading and everything like that. So, uh, you know, think, you know, outdoors, think string lights, you know, think 
food trucks and bars um, and just think a really kind of fun, casual, lively atmosphere where we just happen to be bringing in um, an incredible jazz musician to perform uh, for the premiere event there this year, a guy named Chuchito Valdez, uh, who is a Cuban-American Latin jazz pianist, and he's going to play with a trio. And he is the son of a guy named Chuco Valdez, who is a Grammy Award-winning um, uh, you know, world famous uh, Latin jazz artist and Chuchito, his son, is absolutely the exact same vein. You know, high energy, really fun shows, um, amazing improvisational skills, uh, and you know, creates this this just this sound with just a piano and two other guys that's unlike anything you've ever heard before. Fun aside. Chuco Valdez is headlining uh, the Spoleto Festival this year. Oh. So just like uh, Akanze is the child of Spoleto, you know, Chuchito is the child of Chuco. So we are right on track with where we should be in terms of what we're thinking there. Um, but yeah, we're super excited to have Chuchito come out and play the rail yard and for that to become one of our hopefully anchor venues uh, as we continue uh, to do the festival every year. Um, earlier you said that we should get tickets, go ahead and get tickets for UCB. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this sort of, is every event its own separate thing where you get a ticket for or is, is there a pass situation yeah sure so uh, both um, every ticketed event can you can just buy an individual ticket or two to uh, the price points are different based mm-hmm. on the event uh, and also uh, for every event we have a student slash military rate which is half the advertised full price nice um, uh, additionally we have an initiative called uh, Curtain Up which we started last year which is mainly targeting at getting young people into our uh, performances so they can experience this great new art. So 18 and under gets into every ticketed show completely free of charge. Um, so parents, if you're you know wor- worrying about a babysitter or something, worry no more. Just bring your kids with you. Maybe not to Upright Citizens Brigade, but to, <laughs> to, to the ones that are age appropriate, absolutely. There is also um, uh, two levels of passes that someone can purchase for the festival. There's the gold pass. Uh, which is $200 and which gets you into anything and everything uh, as many times as you want. And there is the Flex Pass, which is $100, which is four admissions, basically. So you can buy a Flex Pass and bring yourself and three friends to one show, or you can get yourself into four different shows. You can use it however you'd like to. That's cool. Awesome. On a personal note, let's yeah. ask about you. Um, you are a graduate of Central High School. Go Tigers. And your degree is in American Studies with a focus in race and ethnicity. That's right. You worked for the Democratic Party of Arkansas. And so I wondered, looking at your resume, what about all of that prepares you for helming this uh, arts festival? Well, uh, a couple of things that are personal to me. One is, um, so none of that really, uh, I think, hones me to right an arts festival. Uh, I have no discernible artistic talent or training or education or anything like that. Um, you know, the area of, of expertise that I have that I did, especially when I worked in politics, was, was fundraising, which translates well to nonprofit management. So I think that was kind of what, what got me into this role. But on a personal level, what I think prepares me to work on something like this, uh, two things. One, both of my parents were artists. Um, my dad was an actor um, and then a director, and he's actually the reason my family moved to Arkansas when he took on the artistic director role at the Arkansas Repertory Theater. Mm-hmm. And then my mother was a ballerina. She danced with American Ballet Theater uh, for many years. Um, 
And then uh, when we when we moved to Arkansas, uh, you know, she she worked in corporate marketing at that time, but she was also very active in working with the Ballet Arkansas and the Arkansas Festival Ballet here at various points in her career. So I kind of had that background of being brought up uh, to have a, a, a tremendous appreciation and understanding of not just the arts, but what the arts mean to a creative economy and how it's not just about seeing a great show or a great uh, concert or, or, or dance or things like that, but how um, the arts can impact people's lives and how the arts can grow a community uh, in ways that, that are never apparent just by what people see on a stage. Two is uh, growing up in this town, in this community. Um, you know, I, I love Little Rock. Uh, this place was truly, I think, the best landing spot for my family. Uh, it's where my brothers and I grew up. Um, it was an extremely uh, receptive, engaging, and welcoming town for us. At least we found it to be so. Um, and, and having, you know, lived in two different places before that, and having lived in a place where, you know, dad had to travel a lot back and forth and then we could land here and it was just home. I think that left a really big mark on uh, at least my understanding of this place. And this is a place that has a lot of challenges, too. And I truly think that uh, the arts are one of the, the last environments where people of all backgrounds uh, can have a shared experience together. And they might take different things away from that. But at the end of the day... You bring people into a theater or into a concert venue or into an art gallery, everyone is seeing the same thing. And everyone is, for a moment, processing the same thing together, hopefully for the first time. Uh, I think the arts can have an incredible impact on people's lives. And I think that the arts are necessary in a community like Little Rock. Um, so what's prepared me for all of this uh, from a you know, practical or academic standpoint, nothing, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I have zero qualifications for the role that I have right now, but I think what's prepared me from a, a personal standpoint is very meaningful. And it's very much that I've been given this opportunity to help an organization that I think can really have a big impact in making this community a stronger place for everyone who lives here. Um, and that's something that I am very passionate about. So tell our listeners where they can find out more and grab tickets. So akanza.org, um, that's that's the number one place to go. All of our performances are up on the website right now. You can read about them. You can watch YouTube links. You can check out uh, pictures and blog posts and things like that and find out everything you'd like to know about any of our artists. Uh, and, of course, you can buy all the tickets you'd like to there as well. Um, and then if you uh, have any other questions or anything at all, you can always just give us a call at our office. You know, we're, we're around and we're... We're there to help, and we're there to pick up the phone and talk to y'all. Dylan Hupp, thank you so much for coming by to talk on No Small Talk and to talk about uh, this year's Akanza. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Why do you want to dance? Why do you want to live? I don't know exactly why, but uh, I must. That's my answer, too. Come with me. Where to? We are going to have a little talk. But I don't think I want to talk to you. Don't you worry, I'll do the talking. Welcome back to No Small Talk. And 
we want to talk about the next film up in our Arkansas Times film series. It's called The Red Shoes. The Red Shoes is uh, this is actually one of my favorite films. Sometimes when I'm watching a movie for the first time, I'll do this thing where if I actually fall in love with it in real time, I'll just whip out my phone, go to Amazon or something, and see, like, is this available for purchase and how much is it? And I think that I actually purchased The Red Shoes uh, probably, like, 30 minutes into actually just watching it for the first time. While you're watching it. Yes. What an I, endorsement. Because, I mean, it's an amazing film. It's amazing color photography by this cinematographer named Jack Cardiff, who was known as, like, the king of Technicolor. Um, and it was about this, direct, this uh, directing duo, Powell and Pressburger, who are these British directors. Even though, I guess, like, the duties were more split up, were, like, Eric Press, Emmerich Pressburger was the writer, and Michael Powell was most of the director. But their duties overlapped, and they referred to themselves by the name The Archers, which was the name of the production studio. Um, and like this particular film is amazingly influential. Um, Martin Scorsese has cited it as one of the defining uh, influences for him. He saw it when he, he was nine years old. When he was right? nine years old. Uh, and Color, his father took him to see, it, to see it. And then, you know, like a lot of those directors back then, they watched a lot of films on TV. So whenever it would come on, it was actually in black and white. But he's talked about how uh, the ballet sequence that happens in the middle of the film inspired the way he shot things like the boxing in Raging Bull. Uh, and and the, his use of color, particularly the color red, comes from this film. And then he has this other interesting connection to the film, which is that when he was editing a film or something, he was in London, and he actually got to meet Michael Powell. Uh, and then he introduced Michael Powell to the woman who would become his wife, uh, Thelma Schoonbaker, uh, Schoonmaker, who's also Martin Scorsese's editor. Uh, and then they raised the funds to start restoring and preserving the films of Powell and Pressburger, uh, among other uh, filmmakers' uh, work. And we'll see the restored version yes. on Tuesday night. Yes. Which, you know, I, I haven't seen the film. I've only seen the ballet sequence. First of all, how remarkable is it that we have nearly 15 minutes without yes. dialogue? Yeah, and then it's this, it's this amazingly, it's this amazing technical achievement like there, there's this sort of like this blending of like the ballet and fantasy and dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just rewatching it before we, uh, before I came down here to record. And, you know, there's just like this wonderful use of like shadows. You know, uh-huh. like there's the, uh, I don't know if you remember, but she's dancing and you see this this shadow, the silhouette of a shadow approaching her, sort of like it's almost as though it's manipulating the shoes in, the, in this ballet sequence. And, I love that the shoes, when the shoes are presented to her, they're upright mm-hmm. uh, as if they're just like sort of magically perched. And then she, all of a sudden, her yes. feet are just in yes. them, you know, very yeah. Cinderella-like. Right. And, then, and then, you know, and like you mentioned, there's this 20-minute, 15, 20-minute ballet sequence that's right in the middle of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the first film where everything stops in terms of plot for this extended number. You know, this is before Singing in the Rain, before American in Paris. Uh, Gene Kelly reportedly screened this film something like 15 times when they were working on American in Paris. Like, this is, this is an, an amazingly influential film. And the scale of this scene, right? Like, it's it's so beyond ballet. Like, it almost reminded me of the landscapes in the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm-hmm. That's how yeah. sprawling it was. Yeah, that's one of the, the great things about some of these old films is that just their use of matte paintings, which is like a lost art. Wait, are you familiar with with, with matte paintings? Just matte the, paintings for the like for the backdrops. Yeah, right. They're, so, and they're huge. Yeah, they're huge. They're these life size things, or you use like an optical illusion to just. Uh, and you know now you just use CG. You use like a green screen and CG and just like swap things out. But like matte matte painting in and of itself was an art form. Um, like just just the use of 
just so all those backdrops that. are painted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it gives an enormous sense of scale to the whole thing too. Mm-hmm. Really beautiful scene. I came across uh, there's a writer for the Guardian, Charlotte Higgins, who calls this movie her favorite film, and rem- uh, remembers seeing its famous ballet sequence when she was young and being mm-hmm. terrified by it. This kind it, of frightening. There's some yeah. dark parts, yeah. yeah. And she said, when I rediscovered the film in my 30s, that central section had lost none of its power to disturb. If anything, I now find it more shocking than I did on that memorable first viewing. Those red shoes, I now realize, are absolutely dripping with dark imagery about female sexuality, menstruation, loss of virginity, and creativity. But what draws me to the film and moves me so much is that it is an artwork about art. And it is not only about the intensity, excitement, camaraderie, and brutal discipline involved in making art, but also about the act of loving it. That's Charlotte Higgins. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, And this this film is all about sort of the process of making, right? And sacrifices and how people come together to create things. And I think, and I, I, I started reading Michael Powell's autobiography, and he talks about how sort of like the the character of um, Plamentov, who is the head of the, the, the theater troupe, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. is almost like this personal stand-in for him in the way he goes about creation, um, where he's sort of quiet, he hangs back, and he sort of lets people figure things out and sort of subtly guides them to sort of doing things uh, how he wants, which I also think is also uh, – I think is this, you could probably use this as a textbook like or a how-to to how to direct a film if you mm-hmm. wanted to um, and how to work with people. Um, although you wouldn't want to be probably as uh, dictatorial as the Lemontov character seems to be at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then when people are part of the creation, they own it more and they might be more likely to give themselves permission to to lend more of their talents to it, right? Absolutely. Is that what, right. is that what you're driving at? Well, that and also, yeah, people, people want to be part of the process, right? People want to feel like they're value and they're not just cogs in a machine. And sort of giving people the, the freedom to sort of express themselves in that way, yes, it, 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 you, you'll get more from them. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, and that's the part that I think people should take away from this. Uh, Do you yeah. know about, I came across this phrase when I was reading about this film. It said that it was filmed using three strip Technicolor. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. So that's, so the, the way the Technicolor process worked was for each, for, I don't know if it was, I think it's just the primary colors. So there's like a red strip, a blue strip, uh, and then a, perhaps a green strip. Um, and I'm sure someone with more technical savvy can correct me, but essentially what you do is then you take these three color strips of film and you put them together mm-hmm. and that's how you get your image. And then, but the problem is that when it comes to restoring these films, they shrink and fade at different rates. So you have to kind of do some manipulation in terms of making uh, everything fit back together. And so the reds are brilliant, mm-hmm. really particularly crucial in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like you know, the uh, main character, uh, Morris here, has this beautiful red hair that really pops on the screen, mm-hmm. too, along with the shoes and everything. And lipstick. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but notice some fantastic red eyeliner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone who doesn't, has not had a lot of exposure to ballet, uh, I still, I just, this film makes you want to know it's more. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess it's technically a musical too. Though it's not like song and dance, right? There's no, there's no songs per mm-hmm. se. 
Um, I love the few seconds after she's been completely immersed in this performance, which looks totally exhausting. And then they, they, they cut to the side of the stage where she is clearly about to have to do a four or five Mm -hmm. second costume change. And I love that they included that because she gives herself no time for accolades or self congratulation (laughs) or reflection on what she's done. She just immediately goes into, uh, you know, this person assisting her with this costume change and having not seen the rest of the film, um, it gives me a hint as to sort of her her approach mm-hmm. because she, she's so thrown into this dancing. It's... Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because it gives me the opportunity to say that it's my favorite musicals or what are what are called backstage musicals, and there's a, a lot of the actual organization mm-hmm. of whatever it is they're doing. So, like all that jazz, which is screening next month, it also I think it fits into the term. But there's just a lot of like behind the scenes stuff, people dressing, rehearsing, figuring out sort of what it is that they're doing. Right. Uh, and the focus on that, the artistic create, uh, the creative parts, which is what I like a lot. You know, because in a lesser movie, they could have used that moment to advance a plot point mm-hmm. or they could have used that for, you know, oh, the the debutante comes to the side of the stage and then her, you know, this lover which who she with whom she has a tortured relationship, mm-hmm. they have this, you know, exchange and yeah. it's not. She's just performing mm-hmm. and it shows yeah. her performing. And actually, I think like the first shot of the movie is you hear the orcas just sort of like tuning their instruments and like there's one actor who's sort of peeking out from behind the curtains looking at the audience mm-hmm. And like it's just this act backstage of everyone's getting ready to put on a show, mm-hmm. and, that, and it's you know the first shot of the movie, but it's also probably one of my favorite shots because it's just people hanging out, milling about, doing and kind of yeah. meta. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a movie yeah. about making mm-hmm. images, yeah. make, making yeah. entertainment. It's also um, one thing people will notice is that outside of that opening scene, the audience is never seen, oh. which is another thing that Scorsese he took from when he was doing Raging Bull. Uh, there are boxing scenes where he just removes the crowd. And he, he, he says that was directly lifted from the Red Shoes. Sure, because then the the real-life crowd is mm-hmm. a stand-in for right. the crowd that you just saw. So he's like creating this psychological room because you're seeing the audience, and then he's putting you in there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's genius. Everything about this film is genius. I actually think it's actually one of their best films. Um, I know... Uh, next month for like Art House Theater Day. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it more uh, coming up. But they're showing another one of their films called, um, well, it's got two titles. One is Stairway to Heaven, um, which is the title that has popped in my head right now. But it's another classic film of theirs um, about a World War II pilot who is supposed to be dead, but he's not. Mm-hmm. And then so they, there's like this legal battle that goes on in heaven over his soul. <laughs> <laughs> and it has... Uh, some also just like this fantastic imagery. Like these guys were amazingly creative and yeah. kind of with how they shot and filmed everything and staged things. So people should check out the archers and all of all of their films. And most immediately, yeah. yes. come check this out Tuesday night, uh, August twenty first at seven p.m. at the Riverdale Ten Cinema. Uh, the Red Shoes, the next up in the Arkansas Times yeah. film series, which is a partnership between the Arkansas Times, Film Quotes Film, and Riverdale 10 Cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Come see us. We'll be right back. The Red Shoes. Daring the original musical that captures all the glamour of the south of France in exquisite technicolor. Blending compelling beauty and high drama with a love story of sheer enchantment. 
assembling a cast of international stars to endow an enthralling film with their rich vitality. And making the outstanding debut of this or any other year, a lovely red-headed girl graced with all the talents, Moira Shearer. Welcome back to No Small Talk, and we're going to run down some recommendations for you. Do you have a recommendation, Omaya? I do. Uh, I want to recommend that everybody listening to this go to the closing night film of the Kaleidoscope Film Festival. Last week, we talked to William Moon. Uh, so far, it's been a wonderful festival. Uh, I think attendance is pretty, pretty good. And I think everyone should join them in celebrating the last film, which is The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Uh Again, I don't know anything about this film except that it stars Chloe Moretz and um, some other people. Sasha Lane. Yes, because I you know, forced good luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you remember these things. I yeah, <laughs> you can read about it in the Arkansas Times. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. this week. But you know, it's it's so it's kind of like uh, this young woman goes through mm-hmm. a gay conversion therapy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to a it, camp, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm looking forward to it. I think everybody should come out and support them. And then also go out to the closing night party at Crush Wine Bar uh, and, you know, acquaint yourself with the festival if you haven't already. Pop some corks. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a recommendation? I do. If yesterday's face-off at the Capitol in the 92-degree heat between the Religious Liberty Advocates and the Jason Rapert Brigade got you down, here's the antidote. Go watch Woe Dakota's Tiny Desk contest entry from this year uh jessica ott is her name she's originally from arkansas and i think lives elsewhere now but is returning for a show uh saturday night at stickies with daz and brie her song patterns is completely (laughs) infectious you will not be sad if you go to this show you will not be sad if you watch this video uh the cover for saturday night's show is 10 bucks but it's definitely a hundred bucks worth of good vibes whoa dakota patterns is the song i love it and do you have a move for the week i do monday night because what are you doing monday night right go see well first of all what you should be doing monday night on the early tip is go to the arkansas repertory theater and uh this actor eric mann who is from little rock uh, but it lives elsewhere in, in new york now is returning to screen three of his short films um it one is called without a mirror about a woman who is blind since birth learning ballet uh, and then he'll bookend those with two other movies. It's a uh, fundraising, so hashtag Save the Rep. Uh, all of the proceeds go toward the revitalization of the Arkansas Repertory Theater. But after that, you should go catch the uh-huhs at the Whitewater Tavern, because I understand this might be their last show. And it's definitely been their first show in a long time. Uh, they won the Arkansas Times Musicians Showcase a few years ago. And so if you'll go online, uh, watch the video for a song called Wrong Young Lady, I think you'll understand why you need to be there Monday night. Oh. Uh, I will be there because Excellent. Uh, they are a great band. They're one of my favorite Little Rock bands. I did not know that. Yeah. All right. The uh-huhs. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Well, I guess not see. <laughs> <laughs> you should leave that in.